As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen I'm never quitting on my mission, I'ma roll with what I'm giving Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing Better watch the way you going, better go in the right direction In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings And I know that for certain, keep on working, open curtains Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version I'm never gonna give up You're listening to the Tom Fitton Show on WNHLP 103.5 FM Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Another thanks to Tom Flickland for the opportunity. I'm your guest host, Jordan Cunningham. Our topic today is called The Reform. With me today is George Cunningham, my father. He's a great person to speak on this topic because he's very knowledgeable and he can relate. You want to introduce yourself, Mr. George? Good morning. Good morning to each and every one of you. How are we doing? So tell, tell me a little bit about yourself, George. Where you want me to start at? Wherever you want. Matter of fact, right. let, let's, let's, start with your, uh, let's start with your childhood. Where were you born and raised? New Haven, Connecticut. Born and raised. Um, a single parent raised by a single mother. Okay. I have seven siblings, total of eight, including myself. Um, childhood was, um, as I look back at my childhood, to be honest, I had a wonderful childhood. Okay. I had a wonderful childhood. I, everything I've learned from, um, to be honest, uh, I've learned a lot of things from the streets. Okay. A lot of things from the streets uh, concerning my childhood. Now, what was, what was it like to grow up in New Haven? Well, growing up, where I grew up was a place called Brookside, Rockview, Brookside Circle, Rockview and Brookside. Yes. And um, we didn't go into town much. We didn't, we didn't get to go into town much. But as we got older, we began to venture out. Mm-hmm. But Rockfield and Brookside and uh, our playground was the Nature Center, okay. uh, the city dump. Uh, we, used, we used to play in the brook. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we had a wonderful childhood, wonderful childhood, despite wow. of. Yeah. I say despite of. What do you mean by that? What are you uh, implying? Well, you know, without the, you know, father in the life a lot of us didn't have our father in the life yes some did but um you know we didn't have that you know don't do this don't do that you know we kind of learned a trial and error you know because the mother as a mother being single she had to go to work okay so we had to raise ourselves yes all right now what was it like growing up with your mother it was difficult. It was difficult growing up with my mother because um, out of the eight children, somebody going to get lost in the sauce. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, my father wasn't around. And, um, you know, my sibling's father wasn't around. So I kind of got treated a little different. Okay. Now, how, how did that affect you being treated differently? Well, it affected me a lot because... I took to I took that what caused me to take to the streets. 
I took to the streets. I took, you know, friends, uh, the same type of friends that um, the people that I was dealing with was the same type of people that was like me without a father in their life. Okay. You know, we hung out together. We was we was all we had. So you all could, you could relate to each other. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You can relate to one another. Were you guys looking up to each other, or were there no role models? No, we were looking up for each other. See, I was never a follower. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a little. I started me a little game. Yeah. And we took care of each other. Okay. Now, how old were you when you started this? Well, I had to be. I had to be about a good between about seven and eight because I left home at ten. Yeah, I remember. Okay. Let's talk about that. When you were 10 and you left home, what what, what was that? Why was that? Why'd you leave? My mother told me, you think you grown enough, dig at the door. <laughs> and, and you and you went out the door? I loved it. I went out the door. How'd you survive 10 years old on your own? Well, see, that's the thing. I would go to, see, growing up, the, the neighbors would take care of you, too. Yeah. So um, I had a friend that... um. His mother was single and, you know, she had some, you know, she didn't really pay attention to him neither and, and the, their kids because a lot of the parents drank back then mm. and they didn't have time for the children, most of them. And we took care of ourselves and I used to spend it out over his house or their house. Yeah. And then I ran across um, uh, this woman that took me in and um, I didn't know she was a... a, a she was she was she was a woman that had a lot of women in her stable, mm -hmm. and uh, they took me in and taught me the streets. Okay. Now, uh, are you still in contact with any of these women that took care of you as a kid? Oh nah, no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. Uh -uh. But I, I do miss a few of them though. Okay. Now, now the time I, I think about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Now they still alive. Yeah, it's been a while, right? It's been a while. It's been a while now. What's a childhood memory you'll never forget? My mother told me, she said, uh, you're going to be just like your daddy, either dead or in jail for the rest of your life. Was she right? Nope. Nope. Still here. Still standing. I, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, you see, a lot of kids, we get a bad rap. The kids get a bad rap. Um, kids are just trying to survive. Uh, a lot of time, there's no food in the house to eat. They don't have the right clothes to wear. Yeah, um, they want to participate in things that cost money. And uh, as a single parent, it's hard to deal with the bills and all the children. Everybody had their own needs. I agree. Now, where were your meals and your clothing coming from? Because you left house, you left the house early. So how oh, do you yeah. keep up? I I was taught the streets. The lady that took me in, she taught me how to. Um, how to sell drugs. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, yeah, how, old you, to... how old were you when you started selling drugs? I was about 10. 10? Did yeah. you get a rush from it? Oh, man, I was a natural. Yeah. Okay. It was something that, it was, something that was natural. It became natural. Um, I didn't understand it, but because um, I never... Uh, I don't know anything about selling drugs or what, what I had, the value of it. All I know was that um, when I was told to bring the individual what they needed, that's all I had to do. Okay. Yeah. Now, were you taking the money back to the lady or were you keeping it? 
No, nah, she would get the money and I would just give them the drugs. Okay. And then she'll At take that care time. of you. I didn't hear you. What you say? She'll take care of you for what you were doing. Yeah, 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 man. She buy my clothes, uh, make sure I eat at a place to live. And, um, you know, with, with everything that was going on in my household, um, it didn't bother me to, to be out on my own. Okay. And how long did that go on for? Uh, till my mother found out I was doing pretty good. <laughs> she came down there knocking on the lady door, talking about you got my son in there, and then and brought me back home. Mm. Now, what was the conversation when you went back home? There was no conversation. No conversation? Just back no. at home? Yeah. Now, did you continue what you were doing, or did you stop? No, I, um, I started, you know, back hanging with my guys, and I forgot about it for a moment. And then, you know, as the time passes by, then there were certain drugs introduced to the neighborhood, which was marijuana, just that's all at the time. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, me and the boys, my boys, we used to hustle up some quarters and some nickels and things like that. And my other boy, father used to do a candy store after hours, sold liquor. So oh, we yeah. had access to liquor and we had a way to get us some smoke. Okay. Now, now, how old were you when you got back into the selling drugs or did it all stop at once? Nah, it wasn't until, uh, we moved to Franklin Street, Grand Avenue. Mm -hmm. Now, um, where's that at? I was, I was, I believe I was uh, 14 years old. Yeah, I was 14 years old when we moved to Franklin Street. And uh, Franklin Street, Grand Avenue was a place, um, and this is our first time even moving from uh, the protection of our community, which was Rockview and Brookside. Yes. I, I found a place to where that it was a lot of stuff happening. It was, it was, um, it was a beautiful thing for me. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Was it a rocky, a rocky start when you moved over there? Oh, I had to do some fighting and stuff and proving myself. And, and to be honest, I didn't know I fight like that until I started fighting. And, and, and um, you know, and then you got the girls over there souping you up. And they, yeah. It was, yeah, it was something. It was something. You did a lot of fighting in your day, right? A lot of fighting. All right. Now, um. That leads me to the trouble with the law. When did you start to get in trouble with the law? At 14 years old when I moved to Franklin Street. Um, my first incident when we moved over there, I remember my oldest sister, um, she told me where the gun was. She said, if anybody bothered you, you get a gun right there. Mm -hmm. and Lord, let me tell you something. It was like I was looking for some trouble. Mm, it, it that's, a, that's a different yeah. type of power. Yeah. Now. So, what happened with you? Well, um, I remember looking out of the window and this brother, I was looking at the girls. It was summertime and the brother looked at me and he looked up and he says, what you looking at? Hmm. I said, I'm looking at the beautiful girl. And he said, well, come, uh, come downstairs and say that. Yeah. And my sister just got through telling me about the gun. <laughs> and I went and got the gun and I went downstairs. Yeah. And, uh, I ear the place out. That's the first time I knew what a gun can do. Oh, yeah? Now, was the law contacted, or was that an incident that you got away with? No, I didn't get away with that. I, I knew that I just moved over there, and I knew that if I called the police first and, and um, tell them that I'm being threatened and all that stuff, and uh, 
I might have got away with it, but yeah, it sounded good. <laughs> they 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 came and locked me up. They did. Yeah. Now, how long were you locked up? What was the process for all of that? Oh, uh, they just brought me down there. I was young, so my mother had to come sign me out. I had to, uh, uh, uh my mother signed me out and everything, and I had to go to court about it. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. what was the conversation with your mom? Because I know she wasn't going for that. Oh no, that was natural. It oh, that was no conversation. No, not at all. Different, totally different lifestyle than others, huh? Yeah. Okay. Now, get in trouble with the law. How how long did that last? Uh, the last time I've been in trouble, it, it lasted. It, it, I mean, it lasted. It, it lasted. I had a good little run. Um, um, I went from selling marijuana to um, selling drugs, which I um, got my first uh, bag of drugs to sell. Yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting that. I didn't know nothing about no selling no drugs. And uh, it happened when I had a fight. I had a fight and I whooped up the, the, the guy that was the leader over there mm -hmm. and um, of the crew. So when they realized that I whooped him up, I had to take his place. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And the man um, that the guy that I whooped, his boss, told him he was no longer um, worth anything. And uh, he gave me his spot and he gave me the drugs. And I think it was, I remember it was a thousand dollars worth of drugs. And he told me, uh, bring him back $500. And I didn't know what to do with that stuff. I didn't know what to do or how to do it. and But it became natural. Okay. Uh, what did you start to do with the drugs? Did you ask a friend to help me with this or did you just start to pass it out? Uh, I, 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 I seen my boy told me what it was and, and what it was about. And, and, uh, it just became natural. It was something that, um, it was a hustle. It was, it was, uh, it just came natural. Yes. Now I'm pretty sure other people were envy of you because you were young getting to the money. Was there anybody who tried to do anything to you? Yeah, I, I formed my own posse. I formed my own gang, and um, we got hold to weapons. We got hold to a lot of things, and um, and we were ready. And um, we have some. We had some shootouts. We had some fights. We we done some things. Some things. We done some things. Okay. Now, now, what was the core of all of this? You talking about shootouts and fight? What was the cause of all of that? Territory. Territory? Okay. Territory. What, what's so good about the territory? Why do they want it? Well, here's the thing. If you got yourself a block that is bringing you at least five to 10 grand a day, five mm -hmm. to 10 grand a week for yourself, and, and you're 15 years old, 14 years old, it's worth fighting for. Okay. It's worth dying for then. Yes. Now, how did you guys maintain that territory? Well, sometime we had to call some of our people in from South Carolina, some people in from out of state, you know, they come in, they light the block up, keep it going, and, and you know, we just, it's, it's a takeover. Okay. Now, how long did that lifestyle go on with you? Oh, it, it, it went on for about 
let's say from uh, 84, from 1984 to 92. Okay. Now, were you aware of the consequences at the time? Oh, yeah. So why not just leave it all alone? One thing about the streets, either you in or you out. Okay. And the only way you go out is death or you go to jail for the rest of your life. Okay. Yeah. Now let's talk about jail. You've been in you've been in jail, correct? Yeah. Uh what's the longest you ever been in jail? Well, at one time or a total year or total time. Let's do one time and then all together. Well, the longest I did was six years. Why the six years? Well, that's that's the time they give you for um, you know, selling drugs. I mean, I could have got more, but I had a yeah. lawyer, but I plead out to that. And then they give you the years plus probation, plus, you know, sometimes might be paroled. Um, but um, you don't think of that stuff there because the streets is your life and whatever, whatever comes with it comes with it. Okay. Now let's talk about the jail life. What was it like inside the bars? Well, I remember my first time, uh, well, to be honest, I, I, I started off as a, a, a juvenile. I was going to detention centers. Yes. And uh, the detention center was like uh, a camp. You know, you go there and they just hold you for a while, you know, to, you know, you go to court, you know, they feed you good. And that was a plus. Sometimes the kids that don't have nothing to eat, uh, they go they go to detention, they feed them good. So yeah, uh, it didn't bother me. Being in, going to jail, uh, it may sound okay. It didn't bother me because I knew what to expect. Um, and I wasn't afraid. Okay. So was it like a second home going back into the bars? Well, I wouldn't call it a second home, but it, 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 was, it was a place where, you know, you get to go see all your boys. Sometimes you don't see your boys for a while and they locked up and sometimes... You in there with your people. You in there with the you know the people you grew up with. It is, I guess, you can say like a second home. I guess you're right. It's like yeah. a second home. Yeah. Now, I mean, crazy it may sound. Yeah. Were you taking care of in jail? Oh man, I take care of myself. Okay. You don't let nobody take care of you when you're in jail because you're gonna owe some favors and you don't want that. Mm -mm. Okay. Now they called you the sheriff, right? In jail. Yeah. Why they called you that? They called me the sheriff because, um, you know, I used to have drugs in there. I had dope, I had the coke, I had the weed. And whenever there's a problem between black folks, the blacks and the Spanish, um, before it got out of hand, you know, they used to come to me and talk to me and ask me, oh, what's up, what's going on? What you going, what we gonna do about this here? Yeah. And a little drug, a little drug can stop that. Okay. So in a way you were a peacekeeper. Yeah. Okay. That, I was a peacekeeper there. How did you feel about the name Sheriff? Did that give you more power? Oh man, what you talking about, man? I had everything, man. I had uh, roast beef sandwiches, lettuce, tomatoes with onions. I had grilled cheese. I had fried chicken. 
I have Spanish rice. I live like a king in there. Okay. Now, how did the 10-year-old kid who was kicked out arise to such a high level of power? Determination. I was determined. Whatever I do, I want to be the best at it. Okay. I was nobody, nobody follower. I always had to be the leader. I led the crew. I lead. I'm a leader. Natural born leader. Natural born leader. When did your uh, leading skills start to kick in? When I left home at 10 years old. 10 years old. And I made that, a decision. Yep. Did you kind of find yourself in a way when you left the house? No. I wasn't even thinking about who I was. You were just living in the moment? I'm living in the moment. I'm, I'm, I am. I'm well-loved, well-liked. Um, I am known. Mm -hmm. um, I'm 10 years old. My first girlfriend at 10 years old. My first girlfriend was 14. Okay. Um, you like that just all the time? All the time. All the time. Now, how did all this crime and trouble affect your personal life throughout the years? You mean... Uh, well... As you get older and you you realize that you know you done done some time in your life, you've been through some things, some letdowns. Uh, you know you've been. I've been on my deathbed. I've been shot up. I've been. Um, you know, my last bid. I got out, and uh, before I got out, I realized that I had to make a change. Mm -hmm. I couldn't continue to keep going home, uh, getting out and going back mad and angry and upset. Okay. And um, I've learned to, to acknowledge my wrongdoings. Yeah. I, I started feeling some type of way when I looked at, I guess when my mother got hooked on drugs, that would really um, change my thought about selling poison to my own people, my own family. My mother yeah. got hooked on drugs. And uh, I asked my mother, I told my mother she would quit. I would I would quit also selling drugs. And my mother got off those drugs and I haven't uh, looked back. And that was uh, in 89. Okay, so it's been a while. Since 1989. You ever felt like you're the, like you're the reason for some of the destruction that was going on in the community? Oh, yeah, I was part of it. Did you make it right with yourself in any way? Yeah, I, um, before I could make it right with myself, I had to make it right with the people. Okay. I had to make it right with the people. Uh, I had to give back to the community, and, uh, and that's why the Lord blessed me with a business to give back. Okay. Well, now, you said you were shot. How old were you when you were shot? Well, I just turned 15 years old a month a month after uh, I got shot in uh, April, April 16th, 1985. And uh, I was on my deathbed. They pronounced me dead mm -hmm. uh, twice. Oh, twice. Yeah. Um, I had to um, have exploratory surgery. Um, I took a shotgun blast from my oldest brother. Now, was that intentional? Yeah, I I I I took the blast for my brother. He um, it was meant for him. The guy was going to shoot him. 
Yeah. And you felt like you had to get in the way of that? That's part of life. And you're when the you younger brother. Family, when you care about your family, and, and that's what it was about. It's about family. Okay. Now, how did that affect your brother? Oh, man. It didn't affect him not one bit. If you ask me if I would I do it again today, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'll tell him he on his own. Yeah. When did you see that you taking that shot from him didn't affect him at all? Well, I can look at it right to the day. He's still doing the same things he's been doing back then. Mm. You know, you're supposed to learn from your past. You're supposed to learn from some things and do better. Okay. Now, you being shot, did that change your life in any way? Not at the time. No. Did you, you went right back to the streets? Yeah. How long did it take you to recover? Oh, uh, I recovered pretty fast. I um, I was determined to get back to the streets. So I didn't, I didn't go to rehab. I didn't do none of that stuff. I, I just went straight home and and, and just start working out and getting myself back in shape. Get back into the game. Got it. Now, you mentioned your business. You started that in uh, 2005, correct? Yes, correct. What was the business? Cunningham Painting, LLC. Cunningham Painting and Power Washing. Why painting? Well, I have. I was taught. I was taught. Um, this brother taught me how to paint. But I'm, all, I'm a carpenter by trade. Yeah. And um, either you do one or the other. And I decided to do the painting because, you know, um, painting is much easier and faster, you know. Um, so I decided to do the painting company business, which I still do the carpentry work. Okay. Now, how long did it take you to de- develop your painting skills? Oh, wow. Um, I got into painting by chance. Uh, but I had to learn, you know, whatever I do, I want to be the best at it. Whatever you do, you should be the best at it. Definitely. So I took what the what the man, young man was teaching me how to paint. I took it and I advanced it. Okay. I made it better. Yeah, because uh, you got the Yellow New Haven Health on. I see painting right there. So you feel like it all paid off? Oh, yeah. See, what paid off is, is the day I decided to change my life for the better. And um, I wanted to give back to the community. I want to put ex-cons to work because it's hard to get a job when you have a record. Yes. So, you know, I learned that it's not about, it wasn't ever about me. The business wasn't about me. I started a business so my children wouldn't have to go work for nobody and, and, and should, don't have to ask nobody for nothing. Yes. But that's why I started the business, so they don't never have to worry about nothing. Now, what had to stop in order for your business to excel? What had to stop? Yeah, what did you quit from your previous lifestyle? Well, before I even got to the business, um, I had made my mind up. I was um, I was a foreman working for other companies. Okay. And they were cheating me out of the money and, and lying and not keeping their words, so... Um, I, I decided, you know, I was, you know, I, I was talking to uh, uh, this bishop about what was going on in my life, and uh, he gave me some advice. 
And uh, that's when I decided to uh, really think about my life. Yes. Um, I knew that the streets wasn't going to make it. I wasn't going to make it in the streets. Yes. Yeah. You know, I was not going to make it. Oh, wow. How'd you build your own business from the ground up? I started with no money down, no credit, no nothing. Um, I knew I was looking for opportunity. And I was blessed with an opportunity. Uh, when I had quit that other job, the, the man was cheating me. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't know where I was going to work, what I was going to do. Um, but one day the owner called me that I was working on that house, called me and she told me that Ever since I left, they they messed her house up. But her son had a garage for me to do, and and, and um, so that's where it started. That's when uh, Cunningham Paintings LLC started was from a customer that I was doing previous work for. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Now, did you feel like this is the one? I got it with the painting. Oh, let me tell you something. It's more than painting now. Uh, it, it, it's it's um. And I, I am I am living the American dream right now. Okay. Do you oh, plan yeah. to stop painting or are you just gonna keep going? Well, I, I paint time to time. You know, Lord bless me to just relax right now. I'll mm -hmm. paint time to time for certain customers. I'll paint because I do my own work personally. I nobody does my work for me. You know? yes. Right now, uh uh, there's another job that I have that I must do that I'm that I I am in right now. Okay, all right. Now, when you started your paint business, was it hard? Yeah, yeah, because it's hard to find good helpers, good workers, and um, you got to work with what you got. So you you, mm -hmm. you take a lot of loss. Yeah. But if you if you if you uh if you know who you are, you know. You know, you don't need nobody pat you on the back telling that you can this, you can that, because yeah. you know who you are. You just got to stick with it and believe in yourself. And you got to trust the Lord. I agree. Now, did you ever quit on your business or did you keep going? No, I never quit. Never quit. Um, I used to have run two companies. I had Cunningham. Uh, I had George Cunningham LLC and Cunningham Painting LLC. Cunningham Painting LLC was just there for me if I needed it. Okay. But George Cunningham LLC is what I started off with. We, we've done major projects like Gateway Community College. We did Smilo at Yale. We do Target stores. We worked for Divio. We did XL centers. We did a lot of work for the city. So okay. we, 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 you know, Cunningham Painter was the highest paid entrepreneur company out there. Oh, wow. Yeah, there were no one better than us. Uh, we were so good that we introduced the mayor. We did a lot of programs, a lot of jobs, volunteered some stuff. Um, you know, we done a lot of stuff, but I had to shut it down. That was my baby, but I had to shut it down because I got partnered with a partnership with a company that I caught them stealing from me. And uh, we don't do no stealing. We don't do oh, wow. nothing crooked. So I had to, uh, they bought 49% of my business. They brought 49%. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm 51%. That means that I control the 
I'm the last say so of things, but yeah. I found him stealing from me when a check for $20,000 came to my house. And I shut everything down. Shut you supposed to have more than that? Huh? Were you supposed to have more than the 20000 Well, see, the thing is that $20,000 check was how they were stealing from me. They were a joint adventure check uh, with another company. My name oh. on it. But, okay. you know, they, they was... The last job that we had, it was like about $1.5 million for the Fear Child Wheeler project in Bridgeport. We had that pro we had that contract, but I knew nothing about it. Oh, wow. The, the $20,000 check that came to my house opened the door for me to see all, all the stealing that they were doing. So I shut them down. Okay. Now, did you have to go to court for all that? Oh, yeah, I took them to court. Yeah, I took them to court. Okay. Now, did you get anything back, or? Well, see, I, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting anything back because they were, they're a powerful company. I'm a little guy just trying oh, yeah. to make it in there. But the thing is, I just wanted everything on record. Okay. Oh, I wasn't going in to win. I, I represent myself. I went to the court, <laughs> learned the law, did my own paperwork, and I, I was offered a job too. When it was over, the lawyer told me come work for him. I did such a good job for myself. The lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did my own paperwork and everything, filed everything. Well, did you turn him down? Oh, yeah, I turned him down. I turned him down. He was working for the enemy. You know I oh, ain't yeah. no uh, uh, Now, with this paying business, uh, what were you hoping to accomplish? Like I said, I mean, the paying business for, was for the children to, to take into the future. Yes. You know, but I don't make my kids do anything that, you know, they got their own goals, their own rules, and Things. My job is just to support him no matter what. Um, but um, other than that, you know, um, we put people to work. We put 13 ex-cons to work. Yeah. Hartford, Bridgeport, Waterbury. Um, you know, we had them, we had them working. Now, what was that feeling like playing a good role in the world, giving people jobs where other people may not have given them a job? Well, whenever you can encourage somebody to do better, that's what it's about. Um, if I could have done it, they could do it too. 100%. You know, and, and here's the thing. You know, you don't need no credit. You don't need none of that. You, know, you need determination and to be uh, real with yourself because I started with no money down. Yes. And we got, we have everything we need to take a job down, no matter how big a job done. I don't care what big job they have, we can take it down. I have the skills. We get the workers, we can do it. Definitely. Now, you're currently parting, right? I didn't hear you. You're currently parting, right? Yes, I got I got a, a partner in the in, in the play right now, and I'm just waiting for the phone call. I'm waiting for them to give me a call and get that going. What are the feelings right now? Oh man, what you talking about? I when that day comes. That, that's like an accomplishment. That's like, you know, all your life, you, you know, you've been, you have a record. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, you've done some things in your life, in your past, and, and, and there's just lingering. You know, you can't, you can't move the way you want to move. And um, there's some things that I want to do with, with the community, with probation, parole, um, but I need that pardon. Yeah. Now, uh... What's something you're gonna do when you're partying that you're not able to do now because of the charges? Well, work alongside with probation, work alongside with the parole, um, 
state and federal prosecutor office, um, I'm able to move around a little more better. Okay. Now, um, how long did you have to wait for all this to come about? Um, for the process of the pardons? Yes. Well, you, you, you have to stay out of trouble for at least 10 years. And while you, and study just staying out of trouble, be a part of your community, volunteer for something, start some things, get yourself a resume to where that people can actually look. There's people who can testify on your behalf that this man is definitely a changed man. He deserved another chance. Yeah. And the thing is, I haven't been in over that. And, 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 and you must not have no misdemeanor for within three years because they changed the law okay. in order to qualify for this pardon. And um, I have worked alongside probation, parole, state, federal prosecutor office. I've done the program, Time's Up. I work alongside the Connecticut Works. So there's a lot of things yeah. that I have already volunteered for to give back to the community from from the destruction that I caused in yes. my drug selling and weapon days to give back. Yes. Now, was it worth it, all the trouble you got in? Well, at that time, at that time, it seemed like it was worth it because that's yes. all I knew. See, here's the thing. When you become a product of your environment, you become part of that. You see? And, and, and like, and when I was growing up, they didn't have a lot of the programs and the things that they got going on for the kids today to get involved. Yeah. They didn't have that. They have more things now that are designed to help, uh, especially young black men, young men of color, um, people of color. Um, there's a lot of programs out there, and we must take advantage of them. Yes, I agree. Now, um, how do you plan to contribute to society? Well, you see, that's what we've been doing. That's what that's what uh, Cunningham has been doing for the last since uh, eighty nine. Eighty nine. Since eighty nine, it's not new. It's just that I'm, I'm learning to do more. To do, you know, to to really think outside the box of how can we help those who are coming out of prison for those who have went in. That's in there, mm -hmm. so we can't forget about those in there and and you know we need to have a program where that um you know when they come out we ready for them sometimes when they get out they drop them right on the street of where they are when they keep going oh, wow. but we need to really uh get some things going on and not just talk about it i agree now how do you feel about the city of new haven concerning concern why are you concerned i mean concerning um, oh. um, is there a topic oh. or something? You want Just to overall, that? the city of New Haven right now is current state, everything that's going on. Well, I believe that um, when it comes down to to the, the selling of the drugs and the weapons and the shooting and, and uh, you know, crime, I think they can step it up much better. I think that um, they are hiring people that really don't even know the city don't even know the people. I agree. And um, mm -hmm. they're hiring, they're giving, like for example, they put somebody in charge and they what they do is they hire a family member. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hire somebody that that um been there. Yeah, that, that comes from it. Yeah, they don't want that. What they do is 
They want to tell the individual um, what they want to do. They don't ask no questions. Mm-hmm. They don't say, well, how can we help you? You know, they can do better. Um, but not only that, they can these programs that they have going on, a lot of these programs that's running, like I've been in these programs. I graduate from the program, they give you a certificate, and that's it. All they do is show, if they can show someone John Hancock and signature on this program, the mm-hmm. government will send them money. But the people are not, they they are not getting the jobs. And and and, and they need to come up with a better plan when they call themselves hiring a minority. Yes. And all they have to hire a minority um, in order for them to get the job for outside companies to get the job. But here's the thing, they're only hiring them for a moment until they say, well, we complete our obligation and then they lay them off and it's back to ground zero again. So, so we got to find a way to keep them hired permanently if they qualify uh, um, to keep them hired. So, you know, it, it, I've been there, you know, I've yeah. been there. They can do better, much better. So what do you think about the violence going on in the city of New Haven? The violence is going on in the city of New Haven. You know, kids don't have nothing to do. I agree. Kids don't have nothing to do. Uh, the parents are single. Um, you know, you got nothing to do. What else, what else they going to do? Sit around, drink, smoke, get high, sit on the block, wheel the deal. There's something that, um, you know, they building these, knocking buildings down. They got buildings up where that, you know, they could do so much, but they got the wrong people and they got the wrong people down there. They just got people down there in that city down there uh, just doing what they do just to make sure they got a check going on. Yeah. They really don't, they don't come outside. No, nah, they don't. They, they, they don't, don't come outside. The they just they just play the role when it's time to be seen, when election time come, everybody tell them lies. Yeah, it's like they everybody don't. Everybody lying to the community. Okay, I agree. And, and what's so sad about it is, is people look like you and I doing the lying also. Mm. So this is a lot I would love to see. Definitely. Now, do you think the youth are being affected by the current state of New Haven? The who? The youth. Oh, the, the youth? Yes. Well, I, I believe if they come up with a program that helps the, the parents, yes. because if parenting begins at home, you can't expect somebody to raise your child for you. Um, like, like these teachers got a heart with these uh, students because the parents are not raising them home and teaching them right. Yes. Like when I was coming up, my mother tell you, you ain't going to school going to make me look bad because if I got to come down there, I'm going to bust you up in front of yeah. everybody. And they took, the, they, took the, the, they took the power out of the parents' hands now. The kids will tell you in a minute, you put your hands on me, you're going to jail. Yeah. Yeah, the parents, yeah, they, they, you know, so there's a lot of uh, 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 things that's going on that they done took out of the school system, they done took out of the hands of the parents. Um, but the charity begins at home. Um, yes, it takes a village to raise one child, but the thing is this here, when adults go to talk to one of them youth, um, they cuss them out, and you can't go to the parents to tell them about the child, because the parents cuss you out. Yeah. It's the same thing. You know, so no matter how many programs they have to come up with, if the parents are not involved with the children's daily routine, instead of just giving them a laptop and a phone and let the social media and the internet raise the child, they need to raise the child. They got to step up. 
Yeah. Because at some point, it's like the child's raising, raising their self. The children are raising themselves. And then they the go off the It's a free world. They get to do whatever they want. They're not being monitored at all. Mm -mm. Now, um, what do you think the people in New Haven should do to save the youth? Well, I think that if they really want to save the youth, I think they should start with the parents, um, making it pretty. I mean, I would go as far as if they're not doing right with the parents, with the child, tapping some of that state welfare money that they get. Yep. Okay. Well, tell them, listen, yo, if you're not at this meeting such and such time, this many time, whatever, we're going to start dipping into your benefits. Okay. And I guarantee them parents will come out there. Yep. I agree. 100%. 100%. Now, do you think the youth can be saved? Sure. Listen. There's no such thing as a bad, bad child. It's a misunderstanding. Yeah. And we need positive role models. The children role model, let's just be real about it. The children role model is, is YouTube uh, yes. um, or whatever. They, they learn them funky little disrespectful dances before they learn anything in school. I agree. And the parents are encouraging that. The parents are encouraging that. So again, if we look at it, it goes back to the parent. We must incorporate a program that includes the parent, that includes the child. Yes. A lot because of the parents don't care, though. They, that's what I'm saying. So we have to find a way to, uh, to get them to get their attention. And if they're getting state welfare, they're getting benefits, then we need to tap that right there. We need Every time you don't show up, every time when... You know, your child don't do what you're supposed to do. We're yeah. going to tap your money. Yeah. I guarantee you don't parents start talking to them kids. Nah, they will, 100%. You start tapping that money. They definitely will. And, 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 and change another thing. Change that the way they how they deal with child support because, see, a lot of these parents are not, this father's not in the child's life. Mm -hmm. So if the child know that the father's not in the life, they're going to do what they want, say what they want, because they're not, but so much that the mother can do. I agree. The fathers you know, do so we, we, They have to change the, the way how they deal with child support to where that they need to show everything that that father is given. The father needs to spend time with the child and everything that they spend on that child, the father should have a receipt to what it went to instead of just giving the parents that money and, and they taking care of themselves and not the child. They're using the child support money to educate further themselves in education and school and the kids, they at school somewhere and the kids home by themselves. Yes. Okay. So there's a lot of ways that we can get the attention. 100%. Well, Mr. George, I want to thank you for coming out and giving me a time for joining this show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in with the Tom Flickland show. You all enjoy your day. All right, my brother. Take care, son. All right, you Love too. You. This is Harry Drews, and you're listening to WNHHLP. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new addition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you're stressing, but you're gonna be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. I'm never gonna give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up. Yeah.